Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm your other host, Matthew Rodriguez. And today we are joined by two first-time guests. Um, boys, introduce yourselves. Jordan? Hi, I'm Jordan, and I'm very excited to be here. And... Hi guys, I'm Eric, longtime listener, first time caller, as they say. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> um, and Eric is Eric is very patient. This is his second time when we were going to record, and then something happened, and but and he's still here. Well, so. this is his third attempt. The we, third attempt. Third you're right. Attempt, and my twice. sister is about to burst and have a child, and I thought, Stephanie, if you can wait for one hour, literally <laughs> one hour, I just want to do this once. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, because you're both first-time guests, um, we love to have first-timers tell us their Buffy origin. Um, Eric, would you like to tell us your Buffy origin? I would love to. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm kind of a, a latecomer to the show where I was. I didn't start until actually the end of season three. It was graduation day part one, and I remember it was a Saturday night, and I was about in fifth grade at the time. And I was at my grandma's house, and she had one of those massive, you know, wood panel TVs that weigh a metric ton that, you know, could kill somebody. They were so heavy. Um, But I was on the floor at my grandma's house and flipping through the five channels that she had. And I happened to get to the part. And I remember this vividly. It was Faith just chewing her licorice, reading a comic book on the bed. And I thought, this is interesting. You know, I'd only ever been peripherally aware of the show. I never watched it um, or knew much about it. And then Buffy comes in the door, turns off the stereo, and, you know, the first scene I see is that amazing fight scene in the room, on the roof, knocking her out into that truck. Um, I mean, I was I was in love at first sight. <laughs> However, it was in the summertime and I, when I watched this, and I didn't have a chance to kind of follow along with it going forward, and I only got caught parts of season four after that. Um, the next episode I watched was actually Hush, and I that kind of cemented things from there. Um, yeah, and ever since then, I kind of fell in love, and I've been a crazy, crazy fan. Um, my friend in high school and I had a bet over what show would get canceled first. She liked Jag, and I liked Buffy. And <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I lost. Um, <laughs> Jag, I think Jag is still on the air, probably. That show never <laughs> went away. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those shows where I couldn't tell you anything about it, but I feel like it's just always been on. Like <laughs> Forever, right? Forever. I think I recently uh, learned that that's like a spinoff of something else. Or maybe something that. else is pop- that's popular as a spinoff of Jag. I don't know. I love that you like saw the fight between Buffy and Faith first because you only had the text of it as being a fight, but you did not have the deep subtext of it actually being a lesbian sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what it is, 100%. I just remember when Faith says, give us a kiss, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I, I just think like two badass women fighting, like that's all the context I had. But then watching it again, I'm like, oh, this is so much deeper. There's so much more to it. Um. Jordan, would you like to tell us your origin story? I would love to as well. Um, I was also a latecomer to it. Like growing up, Charmed was kind of my uh, my bu- first Buffy, and then um, in university, in one of my writing courses, we I saw Hush on the syllabus, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're doing Buffy! This is so interesting!" Like I had never seen an episode, nothing. Um, and then we watched Hush, and I was like blown away and i'm like what is this show why have i never watched this before Hmm. um and then i went and bought every season like i think i did a season a week so like i would i just bought the first season watched it in a week obviously the second season watched it in a week watched uh all the seasons in about like a month and a half and whatever and i was enthralled and i didn't move from my bed for a month and a half and i was like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what the, I was just I was encaptured. I was like, "What is this show? What is this writing? What is this like?" I it's just it was that first time love of seeing a show that you had never seen before and being completely overtaken by it, and I was obsessed. And yeah, university kind of brought me to Buffy, and it was kind of like a great time for it. And I don't think I was like not this. Well, it kind of has to do with some stuff. I don't think I was out at the time either. Uh, no, I wasn't. So it's kind of like an awakening on a lot of fronts and. Uh, yeah, that's my Buffy story. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask what college class that was? Because that sounds like the best class yeah. ever. It, I wish I remember. It was some creative writing class, and Hush was on the syllabus, which is the weirdest thing because Mahush has <laughs> no. It has an amazing script, but there's little dialogue, and it was. I was like, oh, like okay, we're doing this, and it's history ever since. And I have a very soft spot for Hush, which is probably. Like, I know it's a lot of people's favorite episodes, but I think it's probably my favorite episode. I know, right? I always feel, like, cliche saying it's my favorite episode. Yeah. Like, everyone does, but it is my favorite episode. <laughs> yeah, it's the only episode I watch at least twice a year, probably. I go back to it, and I'm like, let me just watch this. I always watch it every October, and then uh, I'll go back to it every so often, but yeah. yeah. I'm just going to be contrarian as fuck and say it's not my favorite episode. <laughs> I know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Like, nobody's talking. <laughs> God, you sound like my mother talking about that episode. That was amazing. <laughs> if I wanted to be silent, I wouldn't watch TV. Like. <laughs> um, the... I know, I know you're going to yell at me, and this will be the last thing we say about Hush, but that auditorium <laughs> scene where Giles is doing the overhead is my favorite, one of my favorite television scenes yeah. of TV, but it's also definitely my favorite, like, scene in any Buffy episode ever. Yeah. It's uh, so, like, just the show, like, there was, without any dialogue, we're still able to, able to capture the tone of the show, which I think is so brilliant. Yeah. My, my least favorite part is the dubbed scream at the end of the episode. Yes, right? It's really weird that it's so, so poorly done. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's too I forgot much. they dubbed that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, actually... Okay, I'm saying one more thing about Hush. Um, there was, I forget what it was. There was like an old game show in the early 2000s that it was like three people and you had to figure, and then there was like the contestants had to figure out which of those three people was lying about their job. And one of them was I do Wilhelm screams for shows. And oh the woman had done Buffy scream and Hush. Like that was a specific oh. reference. And I oh, remember thinking, like, oh, that woman's the one that's lying. It's Sarah Michelle Gellar that screams. But, like, obviously it isn't. And it was that woman wasn't lying. I couldn't tell yeah. you anything else about that show, but it was, like, a weird game show I watched when I was younger. Uh, yeah. I kind of wish you were on that show just to be like, nope, lie. And just to... <laughs> You're a liar. So confident about it. So today we're here to discuss the initiative. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, we're not quite up to hush yet, but we're here to discuss it. <laughs> Which, uh, I think that the people don't remember this episode a lot, but I think, I mean, we're going to get down to it, but it's a really good episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, I was not looking forward to it. I also, the thing I continually forget, and I feel like every time we talk about season four, I say, like, I forget that you don't know Riley's in the initiative until yeah. this episode. Like, well, I mean, I, I, um, I mean, we can talk about this later. Or we can talk about this now, but it's it's interesting because not only do you not know Riley's in the initiative, and this is the episode that shows you. Do you remember? Because I specifically remember the moment in my life when I watched this episode, <laughs> and Maggie Walsh turns around, and you're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> I don't only because remember my my Buffy. Right. My Buffy origin is not unlike Jordan's, where I, like, fell out, and then season four, like, came back when I found out Willow was gay. So, like, I jumped no. <laughs> in, and it was, like, already, like, a thing. So I, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you how I felt about that, but I do feel like that is a good reveal. Um, but um, going going back to the beginning, one of the things that I, I don't know, I don't want to say I don't like about this episode, but it's it's more just, like, it's so different, is that, like, with the episode opening on the three bros yes. talking about Buffy. Yeah. It is like the most aggressively, this is one of the most aggressively straight yeah. episodes <laughs> of Buffy. Um, and it's almost think, jarring. It really yeah. is. It's really, really straight. And I think it's because like, we are inside the patriarchy. Like we're inside the initiative. We're inside the structural like problem. And as opposed to like when we're with, we're, we're usually with like the ragtag group of people who are trying to stop the bad stuff, but then, like, this whole episode is dedicated to just, like, broing out with your commando friends. And honestly, <laughs> I thought it was, like, a men.com video for a while. <laughs> I thought they were gonna all have sex. It's so, it's so goofy at the beginning, too, where they're looking at Buffy, and she's, like, filling her drink up, and then getting Wait, frozen yogurt. 
the frozen the... yogurt sound effect is oh so my god <gasps> oh yeah, it, it is so, so i i felt like <laughs> it was in a way that it would never sound i yeah <laughs> i like appreciate seeing because like i think it's I think the show knows that it's being aggressively heterosexual, like, with mm-hmm. that, or at least that it's a diversion from the usual for them. Like, they do it as, on purpose, that way. But I feel like they almost make Buffy out to be this, like, I mean, and in the show they don't, but in the viewpoint of these commando bros, they look at her as, like, this, like, Manny Pixic, Manic Pixic, eh, God, I can't speak. Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yes, thank you, Dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And like it's she's, my screen name on Twitter. <laughs> and, like, she's not, you know? Like, it's weird. Well, I think that she's... I think it's more, like, the way he keeps saying peculiar, like, Buffy obviously has this whole second life, and I imagine, like, to people who see her on the outside, she seems... She does seem, like, detached and removed. I think there is one really good observation on the part of the writers where they have Riley say, like, she never seems quite present when you're talking to her, because yes. I imagine that that is right. something that would feel like if you were talking to Buffy the civilian because she's thinking about saving the world but like on one end you'd probably think like damn Buffy is so like aloof and removed like she's never present when you talk to her I don't know that seemed like a very good observation well we see Buffy as one way right as a viewer where you see she's always saving the world that's the only way you can see her so then to see it opening as her like spilling the drink and like not knowing how to get frozen yogurt it's like okay so maybe she's obviously distant in another way but the way it's just presented in the opening is so strange yeah and like and it's weird that i mean i know we'll get to this but like that like weird so we get the male gaze and like this is a very like male yeah i mean you're Mm -hmm. right it's aggressively heterosexual because then i mean spike is the other point of view we're getting for most of the episode it's spike's point of view and then riley and his goons point of view um and it's really weird. I mean, for me, it works just because it's different. Like, it is aggressively heterosexual, but I don't mind it because it's only this one episode that is. So it's like, okay, sure. I'll, like... Yeah, it reminds yeah, me... Yeah, we don't get it often. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 different enough that it's jarring, but also it kind of brings something special. Like, what does it mean to, like, look at Buffy from outside of the friend mm-hmm. group? And, yeah. and that's why I think the writing is really stellar in that moment. And even if it's it's not... It's stellar when it's describing Buffy. Some of the like, how do te- how do te- like college boys talk thing is a little bit much. But so, do people talk like that? I have to ask because some of the things that Forrest was saying, you know, oh she's mattressable, or oh you made first contact, and I'm thinking, man, like well, the first contact thing sounded like a military. Like yeah. I thought that was almost like a military reconnaissance type talk that they were giving them that they were like leaking it over. The mattressable thing just sounds like a Whedonism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or like, or just like, yeah, like a weed, the Whedon, Whedonism version of a frat bro being misogynist. Like, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Like within that world, the way a misogynist would speak in like a cutesy way, even though it's like, mm. um, well, I love this whole first beginning of the episodes, her failing at the soda machine and the yogurt <laughs> handle. Yeah. That Sarah Michelle Gellar does such great comedic work in the show, I yeah. think. And I love seeing her just freak out. She's trying to put the handle back, and she just tosses it into the salad and walks away, <laughs> leaving it for the next person behind her. And he's like, "What? what is going on? <laughs> and then she falls on her face, you know, drops the yogurt and... It makes me almost want to see a flashback episode. Like, how did she get through having this Slayer strength at the first, you know, onset of this? You know, was she just breaking everything in sight without realizing it? I just, <laughs> I was just trying to imagine her just like, you know, opening a door handle and twisting it off or something. And um, how dare this Buffy movie erasure happen? <laughs> wow. Uh oh. Christy Swanson is shook. <laughs> is calling his lawyer. Listen, she's shook in her MAGA hat, so like, whatever. <laughs> I, forgot, I always forget about that until you bring it up. <laughs> I don't think Sarah Michelle ever got enough credit for her comedic ability on the show. No, like, and- she gets she gets a lot of credit for, like, line delivery and all that stuff, and she's great, of course, but, like, she really brings this, like, great comedic sense that I think she never really got her due. I mean, she doesn't. And and watching season four, season four is the one that leans most, I mean, seasons four and six lean the most into comedy. Yeah. And Sarah Michelle in season four has so many funny lines. Mm-hmm. And there, and yeah, and this one, especially, I mean, this one and, uh, and then 
I, earlier I was watching another episode that I was watching for another podcast that she was very funny into. Um, but yeah, I know you're absolutely right. Oh my God, Matthew, I almost said, excuse me, another podcast, but you <laughs> meant for our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm in very high demand. I've been asking you about the podcast. I was like, what other podcasts are you talking about? Sarah Bashar Geller on. <laughs> I'm teaching a class at Jordan's college about Buffy. <laughs> Um, so let's get to that scene where Spike wakes up in the holding cell. And the first thing I want to say before, I mean, the thing that I find about this episode too, is that the initiative does look super cheap. And that's what Mm -hmm. I think about it. It all looks like they were like, guys, we need to make a big lab looking place. We have $10, like go to Michael, (laughs) make it work. I think it's one of the, because I think they do a pretty good job, especially for the time, like with their sets and making it looked like an actual place, but the initiative is, like, a giant empty warehouse that sometimes has, like, white paneling. And that's it's, like an, it. it's like an empty white house with a pit in the middle of it. Yeah. And there's, like, no design concept behind it. After I watched this episode, I was actually thinking that. I was like, I wonder if they were just like, listen, anywhere that has a pit. Anywhere, doesn't matter, and we'll put tinfoil around the pit. That's all we need. Like, it, always <laughs> felt, it always felt like this extra, like, set that they just had at the side. And they would just like, okay, I guess we're going to use this. This is what we have that's left. Well, I think comparatively to the high school, the hallway, and the library, I mean, it's in comparison, it's huge. Like for me, I get this very Ken Adam, James Bond set, you know, like Spy Who Loved Me, You Only Live Twice kind of feel for it when they first reveal the whole huge scale. But yeah, when you look closely, it really is just a pit. there's, There's a... Yeah, I, I don't disagree, but but compared to how the sets were before, I think I mean it's huge. It's, I think it's a nice change to see like wow, you know, it's this is a big change from the Scooby Gang and where they operate. Like this is on a different scale, even maybe. if it is lower budget at Michael's. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't a men.com set. Maybe it's more like a kink.com, just like a <laughs> warehouse. Like they're just gonna throw down a mat and like oil each other up. <laughs> that would make Riley and his friends way more interesting. <laughs> Riley and Forrest, I'd watch that. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like R- Riley was only ever interesting when his shirt was off, and that was about it. Wow, Jordan, do you want to Sorry. fight me here on this program? <laughs> want to fight me right here? Let's take it to the pit. <laughs> Eric and I will bring the oil. Um, so I do actually really like. I think Spike, as well as Giles work really well when they're, like, not in control and annoyed. Um, and I really like Spike just being, like, screaming in the cell and not really being able to do shit about it. Um, and I kind of like that we learn about the initiative. Like, we actually learn about it through Spike's perspective. Like, I mean, Spike and the Riley and his brothers. Um, but, like, I kind of like the idea that, like, Buffy isn't the... Like, we don't see it. We don't find out about it through Buffy's lens. Like, we find out about it first through these other guys. I think that's, like, a kind of cool way to introduce it. No? Well, no. I think okay. That's really, <laughs> no, I think it's a really good point, too. Like, the way that... I mean, we talked about this episode starting with the straight... With, like, the straight guys and that different... But this episode is really, like, a masterclass in writing from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And, like, how how do you reveal information to the viewer? Like, how do you give it to us eventually, like... This whole episode, especially as sci-fi fans, I know we all are, like, this is world building. And yeah. I think that this episode does a really good job at, like, trying to build out a world. And it's almost like if you were reading a book, this chapter would be, like, the first one that's not from the main character's perspective in a way. Yeah. Or something like you're trying to, they have to find ways to give you details that otherwise you wouldn't get. Yeah. So I really want to talk about the class scene where Buffy shuts Maggie the fuck down. Oh my god, it's so good! <laughs> I love that line. It's my favorite. What can you do? You remember the exact line, Jordan? For a humanities teacher. Oh fuck. No, I think it's for someone who teaches human yeah. behavior. You might try showing some. Oh, so good. Wait, give me it's... one second. <laughs> um... <laughs> You know, um, you know, for someone who teaches human behavior, you might try yeah. showing some. Yeah. And, then she, and, and she says, it's not I mean, my job to coddle my students. And Buffy says, you're right. A human being in pain has nothing to do with your job. And then fucking walks off. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine talking to your professor like that oh as a freshman. God. 
<laughs> so can that. I ask, did you guys ever have any classes resembling what UC Sunnydale portrays as these college classes? I watched this when I was in about fifth and sixth grade, and I'm thinking of the freshman episode where that teacher in the lecture class is just saying, get out. This is not your class. You're wasting my time. And then Maggie Walsh saying, if you miss one more class, you're out. I was terrified to go to college because Buffy was showing these horrible professors uh, I never in my life encountered a class like that before, but um, I mean, I'm sure there are out there somewhere, but I mean, ooh, it, I, it painted a picture for me. It didn't, Matthew, what, which, po I forget, now I can't even remember. There's a podcast, did we record it, did it go live yet, where I actually tell the story about me yelling at my math professor? Yeah, it already went up. Okay, yeah, and like, oh, and then it was in fear itself, wasn't it? Ian, Ian did have a conversation with his math professor. Yeah, that didn't end well for anyone. <laughs> oh, that's the one you left your friend in the room. Yes, I, I think yes. I do remember that. My yes. friend was waiting for me, and I slammed, slammed the door, the door shut, door. and she had to open the door and get out. Well, in general, I just like, never had classes like, I mean, I had classes that were like, you know, stadium style like that, but like those big ones are more like, I guess, like state school stuff, like with like a lot of students. Yeah, but I went to Rutgers. I think you're talking school. about like, just like the way the professors are, like the, the attitude. I don't know. But I mean, maybe I just had some, you know, less engaging professors. But yeah, if you missed a class or if you do, they were just kind of shrug it off. But oh, yeah. Oh. I love that Maggie, after Buffy reprimands her, turns to Riley and says that she likes her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, mean, I really... Go ahead. It makes me appreciate Maggie, like, a little bit, even though we know she's, like, an evil scientist. But I'm like, all right, I appreciate the fact that she knows she kind of deserved it, doesn't really care, but is like, oh, I like that that girl stood up to me, so. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Maggie does like someone who she thinks can be, like, a ball buster, and I think she doesn't like Willow because she feels like Willow is, like, yes. stigmatized by Oz. <laughs> and, like, for her, I'm sure Maggie's someone that would see depression or being sad as like a weakness so to her even if she's being a dick she's still gonna like buffy standing up to her for being a dick like even if she still thinks willow's in the wrong she still would like she like she appreciates someone who will not be afraid of her and I, I think mean, if you're if you're not even if you don't like buffy you still have like respect for her yeah which is yeah. what that comes down mm -hmm. to because like love willow but at times especially in the early seasons willow can be such a pushover so I think some people, even if Buffy is their enemy, they still find a respect for her. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize until this rewatch, and, and I think everyone here can agree, and we've talked about it a lot of times, like when you watch Buffy at different times in your lives, the characters just hit you in different ways. Yeah. And I didn't realize oh, how much of like a mopey downer Willow is. Oh my God, yeah. And I, and I guess when I was younger and like, you watch Sandra Bullock movies and shit. Like I was like, Oh, this is like how it's supposed to be. Like she's so torn up and like, she's so, but now I watch it. I'm like, girl, get up and take a yoga class. Like, <laughs> Well, this episode in particular, I mean, I found watching this, you know, at the most recent watching that she is obviously depressed. I mean, she's so broken up about Oz, but she is kind of pushing herself because she wants to make Buffy happy. Like, a lot of my notes that I wrote for this is that Willow is a great friend. Like, she, yeah. when she's in her bedroom, you know, she's listening to her sad music, and she could just brush Riley off, and you see her take a breath and then offer, you know, she likes cheese, you know, trying to help her friend. And I'm thinking, like, that's pretty big of her. I think when you're in that depression, that, you know, worst big breakup feeling, you know, it's got to be easy just to sink into that depression and not want to do anything. But she's pushing herself and... Maybe as a way to distract yourself from all the pain, but I, I think that's kind of cool to see. I want to say that I don't think that there is an RA on this writing staff because if there was, they could have had an RA come talk to Willow or Willow go talk to an RA because mm -hmm. I was an RA. That's why I'm just saying. <laughs> oh my god! Of course Aww. you were. Oh my god! I was the best RA. Don't even <laughs> don't even come for me. I never wrote one <laughs> citation in my three year tenure. I only helped people. Oh. I'm sure you were a great RA, baby. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> when we're I, after after the podcast, I'll tell you a, a story about being an RA. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Um, so, did you also notice that um, when Xander and Giles are talking, kind of about how they're both feeling useless, um, yeah. which is kind of both of their storylines in season four. Um, that Xander describes the plot of Something Blue, which is the 
two episodes <laughs> later. Like, he, he literally says, like, let's do a spell and blah, 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 and we'll make ourselves useful that way, and then we'll all have to fight together, and that's what happens in Something Blue. Like, Willow does a spell that makes them all have to... Yeah, he he was so casual. I thought it's just that, you know they they both talk about they don't need to do any research. Buffy doesn't need them, and they both look so dejected. But Xander right away is saying, "Let's crack open a book, you know, recite a spell, and summon some unstoppable demon." Quote like he calls it an unstoppable demon just to have something to do so they can fight together. And I'm thinking like you, this is a problem, Xander. You do this in <laughs> once more with feeling, and you are at least responsible for that one person's death. <laughs> you know, burns up and spontaneously combusts in front of Sweet. Like, ooh, don't be so blasé about you know, reading in front of the books. Doesn't I think Giles says that at one point? Like, don't read Latin in front of the books. Just yeah, back back off. Well, that's Calm when <laughs> I forget what episode that is where the book lights on fire. It's like he yells at him and he's just yeah, that's the right, book. that's right. Yeah, um, I only remember because I have the gif of that, but I couldn't tell you what episode it's from. <laughs> um, I also wanted to point out. So I keep saying that season four is Buffy's renaissance of only wearing chunky sweaters, flowy tops, and off-the-shoulder shirts. Um, Giles literally only wears baggy sweaters this entire season. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, and you know what? Because I think he he's giving me Nancy Myers movie. He's giving me, like, <laughs> things about I'm actually, like, kind of living for it. <laughs> but right, like, that is I what he... Want him, like, if he had a bigger kitchen and was drinking cocoa constantly, I'd, I'd love it. <laughs> Willow, Willow is the biggest culprit with the sweaters. I don't know if it's as uh, much in season four, but it's always been like a bold print on a fuzzy material on an oversized sweater and then like a hat that matches in the same material. <laughs> so my favorite Willow sweater, we're going to talk about it in the next, <laughs> in another podcast episode, but it's in season four and it's like in something blue at the beginning when they're walking through the graveyard and she's wearing that constrictive poncho sweater. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Artisan. Because I she, want it. She also wears one in living conditions when they're all discussing how Buffy's going crazy over Kathy. She's wearing like one that's exactly like it. Right. She's, like she Ugly Betty many. wishes. Ugly Betty yeah. wishes. <laughs> <laughs> getting uh, oh, getting back to the Xander point though, is I think it's interesting that we're seeing everybody around Buffy deal with how they feel about Buffy. And how, like, I think maybe Xander Giles kind of feel a little useless. And it's interesting that, like, if there's nothing going on majorly for Buffy, some people maybe feel cast aside. Yeah. But it's just funny how it's obvious that their lives revolve around her and just, like, the uselessness that they can feel at times when there's no drama. Well, yeah. I, I totally agree with that because, and I, and we've talked about this before, like, I feel like, the show, once Buffy's on the scene, they forget sometimes to have the other characters' yeah. own interactions. Because even, like, Willow and Xander, like, they have history that predates Buffy so much. But they yeah. still rely on her so much as the center of their group. And it almost, like, does it a disservice. I always think about, like, in Sex and the City, how everyone is friends with Carrie, but they're not really friends with each other. Yeah. And I was like, I wish that they could have their own scenes. And it reminds me the same way with Buffy. Like, when Buffy is going through depression in college and all this shit, like, when she's off of her game, like, the rest of them just kind of float around her and they feel off. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, and we, I, we said this in season three, too, Matthew, how, like, we wish we would have gotten, not that we even loved these characters so much, but, like, I forget what episode, I think in the beginning of the Zeppo, or maybe in Earshot, where Xander and Oz actually have, like, a few scenes together, and, like, we kind of wish we had gotten more stuff yeah. like that. Like, those friends outside of Buffy interacting, because it was actually, like, enjoyable to see both those characters, like, doing shit without Buffy. And they do happen so rarely, right? I mean, yeah. when they do happen, you th you think, wow, you know, that. I guess we haven't seen them interact or talk to each other, yeah. you know. Well, well, they are a gift when they... A show arrive. like this and Sex and the City, it's like they are main, like it's a full cast show, but they all, they both revolve around like Carrie and Buffy. So it's hard for when you put the other characters in a separate storyline. One, does your audience care as much? Two, it's like you forget to build those relationships at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Um, so really quickly, I mean, we don't have to talk about Spike escaping from the initiative, except once again, how cheap those doors look. But, um, I do want to talk about him coming back and seeing Harmony, and Harmony's putting up a unicorn poster. 
I just, you know, I mean, we've said this a million times, but Harmony's like a delight to watch. Like, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, is this the first time we see the unicorn? I, I think it is, right? Or yeah, have we seen that prior? Yeah, for the first time. Like, she's trying to make Spike's layer her, her own, kind of, because she doesn't think he's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> but then he says, but then like he comes back and he's doing that fake ass voice. Like if a guy spoke to me the way Spike was speaking <laughs> to me, I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, the whole angsty thing is so dumb. And like, it's just so funny to see their relationship too. Cause like, she's obviously such a rebound person for him. Yeah. And she doesn't get that. And it's kind of, it's really sad. It's weird because she, like, kind of gets... Like, it's like she knows he doesn't like her that much and knows he doesn't treat her that well, but, like, still... Ooh, you know what I'm just thinking? It's kind of like a Joker-Harley Quinn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Because it, it, was, it was very clear with Spike and Drusilla, they were kind of both on the same playing field, but Drusilla still was kind of, like... She was, like, the, like, last say in things. Like, I feel like if she had told Spike no, he would have 100% been like, okay, we're yeah. going with no. But if Harmony said no, he's like, fuck off, you're an idiot, I'm going to do whatever. Oh, wait, we skipped the the last spotting ever in the show of Parker. Oh, yeah. Oh, and what a way to end his tenure on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> right. Um, in this, Oh, my God, in the scene where fucking Riley is talking about Buffy standing up to Walsh and they're fucking playing Frisbee in the middle <laughs> of, like, people walking by. It got me so mad. This is some shit that straight guys do. They think they can just play Frisbee <laughs> in the middle of my walkway. Oh Did my you God. encounter this when you were an RA? Are you having some residual? No, no one played Frisbee because we were, like, a New York City tiny school and everyone was, like, gay and was a dancer. Oh and or into theater. Matthew, our our reoccurring guest slash my straight best friend Jason, he actually when we became friends, um, he used to make me play frisbee with him all the time. Oh my god, I would go fucking go crazy. And Next he, they're gonna like highly <laughs> fucking probably plays hacky sack. And because we were all like all of the like people in our group were like queer, it'd always be him like teach like it would turn into him teaching us how to play and then like his awful straight friends getting mad at the gays for not knowing how to play like it's a disc calm down this isn't ancient greece like yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but no so riley punching parker to realize that he loves buffy is such a like it's such an they're like fucking gorillas like yeah so they're like beating their chest it's so it's too much which is funny because in beer bad she literally turns into a caveman and does that but riley yeah. is just a straight guy and does it not that it doesn't riley. feel good i love riley's very slow realization like on his face and then in the dialogue being like oh my god i do like her what am i gonna do and i'm like oh okay let's speed this along it felt like it should have been <laughs> the fountain scene in clueless like a fountain should have <laughs> the Buffy Riley relationship, the way that it progresses, is one of the most <laughs> WB moments on oh. Empire Slayer. Yeah, like it's one of the most like we're gonna have a a picnic in the park and like we're gonna I don't know it's like the, because with Angel there was the whole brooding and like yeah. very dark but like Riley was like I feel like they were hired to for to they were forced to hire Mark Lucas because he looked like a WB heartthrob. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd buy that. Yeah. Well, one thing in this episode, when I found myself liking Riley more than I had before, but it wasn't because of him punching Parker or, you know, talking about, you know, liking Buffy. It was, I, I noticed that he picked up on social cues and just everything really well. Like in the scene where, you know, Buffy's telling off Maggie, you know, he was talking to Willow just a moment before that. And she says, Oz will be back. And he just kind of nods his head. And you know he knows, like, okay, Oz is probably not going to come back, but I'm just going to be polite and just yeah. kind of let that go. Maggie swoops in and <laughs> attacks Willow. But then, you know, after going forward, too, when he meets her in the dorm room, you know, he picks up on Willow being extremely depressed, and he doesn't push it. He actually says several times, this is the last thing you want to talk about. If you want to tell me to go to hell, please do. And he, you know, I, I respect that. I like that aspect of Riley more than I guess maybe the romance the force stuff they're trying to yes, push upon us I think in this episode Riley actually does really shine um Matthew I have nothing but good things to say about Riley in this episode Yay. particularly 
because I love him and I, I love his friendship with Willow. I love that there's never there's never a moment when you think, oh, he's being a creep. He's going to try to fuck her. Like, oh, he's only being right, nice right. because he wants to, like, get in her pants. Like, he's genuinely being nice. And he's like, oh, I like your friend, but also I realize you're really sad. And is, like, being yeah, he pretty really tender does with try her. To, really think, nice. Well, because the very first time we see Riley, they always, they like, you know, they were trying to make it like he was flirting with Willow. You remember? Like, yeah. The first time they see her in the yeah. bookshop. And Willow was more confident talking to him. Yeah. Yeah, like Willow's more common in talking, and then like even when they're on the couch, kind of talking about Buffy, like he's is very affectionate towards Willow and really wants to like make sure that she's okay. And um, no, it's, it's a it's a really nice relationship. That yeah. is- if you guys watched the commentary, which I totally did for this episode, um, the writer Doug Petrie said that when they filmed this, they were really worried about the chemistry between Allison Hannigan and Mark Lucas because they were so good together, and they really had to kind of tone it down so people wouldn't think that they were going to be a an yeah. item. But you can totally see. I mean, I, I love that they do work really well together. They do, Willow and, I, and, and I really, I really think it's really good friend chemistry. Like, I don't think yeah. it's. Like, I'm not worried either of them is going to try to, like, fuck the other one. Like, I'm like, oh, they're just, like, they respect each other, and they're, like, friends. I do... Pioneered poly couples. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel they have better chemistry, and Matthew, don't yell at me, than, um, than Sarah Michelle. Than him and Sarah Michelle. Jordan, go, I to, know. go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. I just don't feel it. I never did, and I never have, and I never will. Fine. That's that's that on that. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew's gonna cancel this podcast. Matthew's about to cancel me. (laughs) Honestly, I'm following you. I'm on. Um. No, I mean, yeah. I. I. I, Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Fuck um, you, Jordan. Interesting. You bring up the chemistry because I noticed, and if we're in the dorm party you know, section of this episode. Every time I saw uh, Buffy talk with Riley, I noticed right away, I don't know if it was the acting or the way they framed it, but Sarah Michelle was like so engaged, like almost overly so when he comes over and says, hey, did you do the reading? And she's like, I don't know, looks so invested. Maybe she's just because he's a very attractive man. But it seemed kind of off or maybe too soon that she was so, you know, let's talk, let's hang out. I don't know. But... The chemistry is that, yeah, more easily, I don't know, I pick up more on that on Willow and Riley. Yeah. There's also a thing, I mean, there. I think part of the chemistry, though, is that Willow and Riley, I think there's just also their acting styles go together really well. Like, when mm-hmm. they're acting together, they bop off of each other really easily and, com- and conversationally. And in the very beginning, that doesn't happen with Buffy and Riley. I think Buffy and Riley do get better at the end of season four, and in season five, they're pretty solid. But the the initial flirting, like, isn't the best acting, like, tete-a-tete. But, um, like, I love when at the party, Willow goes to Riley. And also, remember that this episode is dropping all of these, like, militaristic initiative, like, tidbits. And she goes up to him and she's like, okay, she's wearing a halter top, but with, like, sensible shoes. Like, that means (laughs) flirting, but don't get caught ever. And I think that that's such a Mm -hmm. cute little... That's moment great. where like because willow is really making this little thing she's doing what she does in that she's taking a little bit of flirting and making it like super military uh, super like academic and like really thinking it out and doing her homework yes i agree <laughs> um, another thing i love about that is when she said if you hurt her i will beat you to death with a shovel which knowing her future where she goes is terrifying <laughs> but in the next episode in pangs i mean she beats that spirit vengeance you know the native american spirit with a shovel pretty uh pretty hard you're right she literally does beat it with a shovel <laughs> oh my gosh wait can i have an aside about pangs for two seconds sure so yesterday i went hiking in the california mountains and we were we, i was with a group of people and our tour guide was talking to us about the local native tribe, and he talked about the Shumash Indians. Oh my god, really? Like, girl, I know Aww. all about those Shumash Indians. They come back from the dead and try and kill the Slayer. <laughs> no one appreciated that. <laughs> but yeah, that really happened. Okay, going on. <laughs> um... Also, I text Matthew about the podcast, and he was like, I'm hiking. And I was like, oh. 
Um, we got it. You live in LA. Oh, man. <laughs> we get it. You're masking in LA. Great. <laughs> um, Have you ever discussed um, Allison and Sarah Michelle's off set relationship? Well, we've discussed it a few times. Yeah. Why? Okay. No, just because, like, it's such a cute episode of um, Willow being such a good friend to Buffy, but, like, behind the scenes, I feel like this was around the time that they weren't great. What, were, did they have ups and downs throughout the show? Yeah, I think I think it was ups and downs, but mostly down after like season two or three. Yeah, I think I it was. Think. I think it was season four when it started to go down. Yeah, because I know by season six was when. Well, I think season. I think it was like it went down, and season six was like they weren't speaking because Sarah yeah. Michelle Gellar didn't tell anyone that she was quitting, and she had the Entertainment Weekly cover, and she was supposed to yeah. be like oh, this is, like, you know, your work family, blah, blah, but didn't tell anyone, and they all found out because of Entertainment Weekly. Sarah Michelle was that bitch back in the day. Yeah, but I like, do know that they are all friends now. Yeah. Um, yeah, because now there's always pictures of them, cause, like, you know, kids together and stuff like that. Stuff. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. cute now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a credit to their acting. I mean, I, I would never yeah. have picked that up in the show at all. I mean, I love every scene of Willow and Buffy. I think any time it's just them two being friends and being cute... Yeah. I, I buy it 100%. Yeah, I mean, no, I, we've definitely touched upon that because they, I think they have such good friend chemistry. Like, they have, like, some of the best best friend cute moments. And it's crazy yeah, to think really that there was any time when they weren't, like, they didn't like each other. Like, that's insane. And shows what good actors they both are. Um, so from, from good moments to not as good moments, I just wanted <laughs> to bring up that I always feel like like, when we first see the initiative doing their thing, because Hostel 17 has escaped, a.k.a. Spike, um, I always feel like they are, like, mad-libbing with, like, army terms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I don't feel like anyone there really knew how to write about them. <laughs> and they were just like, yes, private general. <laughs> reconnaissance <laughs> it's, it's like me or you Matthew talking about military terms <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, also I wanted to point out that I, I said this in an earlier episode but the it's a weird throwback that the guy who I had to look up because I, I don't even think they mentioned his name his name is Tom who is from Sunday's Gang he is the guy that helps Spike escape um, yeah. Which is a thing yeah, the show right. does often that I always love, where they'll be like, oh, that one-off character? Yeah, they're in this episode, too. Well, um, he was he was the one who runs away at the yeah. end of the freshman and gets caught. And gets caught, yeah. Because, like, they didn't even need to bring that back. Like, that just showed us vampires and demons were being captured. They, they did need to bring it back, Ian. It's called the con- it's called the unity of <laughs> space and time. It's called Tolstoy's gun. It needs to go off. I get it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um... I don't know, I just wanted to point that out, because I like, I love when the show does that. Um, yeah. Um, and Spike also does mention, he's like, oh, it could be Nazis, which is funny, because in season five of Angel, we learned that Spike and Angel both were, like, involved in Nazi shit back in the day. Wait, like, in killing Nazis, or, like, being not, like, I don't Like, Angel was... <laughs> I, it's one of my least favorite episodes of the last season of Angel, which is my favorite season of Angel, so I don't quite remember. I want to say it's like Angel's going to kill Nazis, and while he's on this submarine, that's a Nazi submarine. Oh, yeah. Spike, I remember a submarine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Spike is working with them, but like doesn't actually care. It's like he just got caught and then was like, fine, sure. And then they both kill all the Nazis on the submarine together, I think, right, Eric? Isn't that the plot, maybe? I remember a submarine. Literally, that's that's the extent it's, of that it's episode. It's my least so. favorite episode of season five. <laughs> I always actually thought that, that was a really good reference because Nazis were like super into like occult stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's not like that far off in a world with, yeah. where demons are real that he might think some Nazis are doing some shit. Well, speaking of Tom and the initiative real quick, that whole scene where he breaks out of the initiative that Matthew glossed over, and I'm sorry to bring it back, it strikes me how... Uh, lacks, I'll say, the security is for that initiative. So Spike just lays on that, you know, tourniquet, and he, <laughs> it's just two guys, just two guys with lab coats. He grabs that guy's throat and says, sorry, gotta go, there's a girl. And it takes like 10 seconds for him to send this, say the sentence, and I'm thinking, there were two of them, why didn't the other guy just shock him, inject him with something, but he just managed to get out very, uh, yes. without a problem. Yes, agreed. <laughs> 
Um, I do, I, I mean, I I like all of that. I like watching... And it, you oh, know, it was a fun sequence, believe. I, I, I bought it. It was very Starship Troopers, Titanic, like diving under the, the door. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> no one got cut in half. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I really... Yeah. Oh, also, wait, this is what I wanted to point out. I was, like, looking... <laughs> I was rambling because I was looking at my notes. I was like, what did I miss that we skipped over? Harmony, in her scene... Well, in both her scenes is wearing the exact same pants she wore in Harsh Light of Day. Fun fact. Excuse and... me, vampires don't have a lot of time to go shopping. Stores <laughs> are closed. I don't know when you shop, but it's hard to go to Forever 21 after... <laughs> you know Buffy shopped at Forever 21. <laughs> oh my god, no. Buffy fucking shopped at Claire's, probably. Too. <laughs> don't even start. That's where she got that red leather coat in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, nothing wrong with it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Forever Listen, 21 has I cheap have... sweaters. <laughs> also, but wait, we need to talk about the Harmony-Xander fight, but that whole scene between them. Before we even get to the fight, I just want to say that as now a new California resident, Harmony could start a forest fire. She was <laughs> lighting a fire in the middle of a grassy area. And it was very, very, it was not good fire safety. Um, but, that Harmony Xander scene, everything about it, I 100% love. Like The Harmony Xander fight is so epic. It's, it's so good. So good. It's and perfect. It's, so my, now that I'm saying it's so great, my one critique is that they weirdly treat Harmony as though she just became a vampire, like, last month, when we're led to believe she became a vampire at graduation, which means she has been a vampire for, like, five, six months at this point. Um, because in Harsh Light of Day, she's like, oh, I don't have a pulse, which is like, how did you not notice that? And she literally could have just murdered Xander when they're fighting. Like, she could have punched him into a tree and killed him. Um, and he, I mean, they, even, they also underestimate Xander. Like, Xander can fight. yeah. And so, I mean, obviously they're doing it for comedic value and it is iconic and it, it is. is really funny, but also like they can both fight. I mean, like Harmony would obviously kill the shit out of Xander, but they can both fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird, but I still love it. And I love, I, I just love that she calls him a girl. Like they're like two stunted children, like <laughs> fighting. Like she calls him a girl. They start pulling each other's hair and like I it's all wonderful and I love that when it's over just they're like, I'll stop if you stop. It really sounds like two ten year olds. Um Xander's just like <laughs> she says, I'm so gonna bite you. Yeah. I love that part. <laughs> and Xander's just like, Well, I'm gonna pick up the pieces of my dignity and go home. And like I love that it's like she's this like demon that could murder him and he's just like, All right, I'm embarrassed and she's like, Good, I hate you. My boyfriend broke up with me. Like <laughs> What I do kind of like, because I actually think and correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone knows the correct answer, um, that this is the last time we see Harmony before she has minions. And I like to think of this as like that origin story. Like she's out on her own. She wants to, she's, she like, you know, breaks up with Spike and she gets into a fight that she can't like end herself. And I always like to think of this as like, this is when Harmony's like, listen, I'm going to like go to the gym, get fit and like get some minions <laughs> And it's going to be a wrap. <laughs> I feel like you might be right, but I'm looking it up. Because I know we see her in Restless, but that doesn't really count. Um, right. I'm looking... Oh, no, she's she's in Pangs, but Pangs is when she just throws him out completely. Like, she won't even let him in. Oh, right, right, right. And then you're right, yeah. the next. So that's like, she's built her confidence. She pulls out the stake from underneath their bed. She won't let him in. And then we... She's in Restless, but that doesn't count. And then she's in... The next time we see her, she has minions. So, yeah. You're kind of right, Matthew. I like to think of it that way, too. Yeah, because I said it. <laughs> okay. I'd like to think of it that way, too. How about that? <laughs> God, you're such a brat. Um, well, Matthew, you brought up earlier just that Joker and Harley Quinn comparison. And I, I was thinking while watching this... Um, how amazing it would have been because you can tell how fed up with Spike she is always talking about Buffy and the first time we see him in this episode he's drugged out and saying oh the Slayer I'm gonna get the Slayer and like it's really hammering home how much he's obsessed with her and I'm just thinking like I would have loved to see Harmony maybe meet up with Drusilla or some of Spike's you know previous 
girlfriends or whatever and just have a nice Catwoman or Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn kind of camaraderie. That would have been amazing. Right. Or, you just know, to, I mean, to even like extend the since Poison Ivy is like a supervillain, like if Harmony had like teamed up with Glory and been like her, her, Harmony. Oh, that would have been amazing. Or something. I don't know. Like there is, there are definitely. Yeah, there could have been a way to like have Harmony have more time because I think that it's a really interesting character, and you know what the even though they are kind of mismatched on when she actually you know becomes a vampire and and how much she knows, um, she's definitely ambitious. I mean, trying to get minions alone is ambitious. I don't have minions, so. And in the comic yeah. book, they do a really good job of. I love what they do with her character in the comic book. Well, what do they do? Spoiler alert. Okay, I didn't know if you wanted to spoil it. Because in the comics, they have it that, like, I, I want to say after the, the first season of the comics is a nightmare and really bad. Um, but there are, like, some good issues. But in the comics, after the eighth season, they actually have Harmony come back as a celebrity because the world becomes aware of vampires and vampire slayers. Um, and she becomes, like, a reality star vampire. And Clem is her personal assistant. Oh, that sounds um, amazing. And I really love it. Like, I think all the shit with her, and she's kind of, like, still Harmony, but in charge. Like, she's still got the, like, stunted mean girl teenage shit, but she's in charge, and she's, like, a famous reality star. And, like, I think in, like, the most current season, they actually, like, vaguely address the, like, Trump-era shit, and they have her leave because America's becoming... America tries to put um, demons in internment camps, and she leaves for Paris with Clem. And, like, that's where she's living in the comics. <laughs> and I like that. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... so an assistant to, like, a bitchy diva is, like, the <laughs> right. correct story. Right, like, that makes sense <laughs> for him, yes. <laughs> and that does sound like a big improvement over season eight. I tried reading some of those issues, and it was, you know, Don became a giant, and then a centaur. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this isn't for me. I, I get that. <laughs> yes. See, yes, season eight, season eight was... <laughs> a monster nightmare mashup of everything that they maybe couldn't do with Buffy, but didn't need to. Um, like they introduce Oz and he has a wife and a family and his wife is immediately murdered. And it's like, Oh God. Um, and she's flying and then she has interstellar. Yeah. It's anyway, back to the initiative. <laughs> yeah. What? It, oh, so we have to talk about um, Spike going for Willow. Yes. Because it's actually, I mean, without knowing what's going to happen, I think this is actually a really tense scene where you're very worried about Willow. Yes. It's traumatic. It's hard to watch. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it's really weird that it's oh, under... Oh, yeah. I, oh, my God. It's one of those few times in Buffy where they actually do play on, like, horror. Because it feels very, like, a horror... Not, like, monster horror, but, like, someone... This, like, man attacking this woman in her room, in her bed, and, like, turning up the well, music so no one can hear her. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, yeah, they're really, they're doing this, like, sexual assault metaphor that's very terrifying, because yeah. we've talked a few, about the few times that Buffy feels like it could go into the realm of sexual danger, and, yeah. and we talked about Tile Boy, where she's drugged, and, like, her and Cordelia are caught in the frat house, but this is, I mean, like, the way that they did the metaphor with, like, the, like on the bed with the pillows and the music, it was, it's really, really scary. Yeah, which one of you bitches just yawn loudly into the mic? <laughs> Watch that might have been me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're boring you, Jordan. Wow. God, Matthew. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to call you out. Um, yeah, no. And, uh, I think that they do. I, I think that the scene. I actually really like everything about this scene. I love the like after effect of like them sitting on the bed and Willow's kind of like being like, oh, well, is it me? Do you not like me? Because oh, she's so does that so not break your heart? Depressed. It's so sad. Yeah. Um, well, it's such a funny, like, I mean, obviously, like, what is it, like, ED joke or whatever, but I think it's also really, like, in line with season four, because season four always goes from, like, high drama to high comedy really fast. Like, yeah. they really lean into, like, doing a comedic scene. So, like, the idea of going from, like, I mean, if you if you were writing a TV show, if I was like in a class and someone was like, "Oh, I want to do one scene where there's basically like an attempted sexual assault, but then the guy can't perform," I'd be like, "You need to not write that ever, actually." Yeah. <laughs> um, but like here with the, like the layers of metaphor on it, it works. Right, like I think, I think it the does. The two of them play it really well. Yeah, they do. Oh my God, Willow's really. I mean, Willow and Spike are really, really yeah. good in this scene. 
I, I think Willow and Spike... Well, it's weird because... Willow has every reason to fucking hate Spike, but Willow yeah. and Tara both kind of have, like, a nice relationship with Spike, oddly, like, going forward in the show. Like, I feel like they actually treat him like a human. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think some of the best moments in the show in season six are when Tara knows that Buffy and Spike are sleeping together. Yes. And Tara is always, like, chiding Spike because she knows <laughs> that they're together. Oh, yes. Yes. She's like, oh, was it in your pants? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, So one thing I was curious about, so when they're doing their back and forth in the bed and he says, you know, I'd bite you. You know, I thought about it when you were wearing the fuzzy pink number. Obviously, he's talking about doppelgangland, right? Where Yeah. No, he wasn't. No, in uh, Fool for Love, she's wearing another fuzzy, or not Fool for Love. Um, shit, what the fuck is the name of the episode? The one I don't like that much from season what? three. Lover's Walk? Lover's Walk, yeah. In Lover's Walk, she's wearing, like, a fuzzy pink sweater again. Oh, oh, that makes more sense, because I was thinking, like, was Spike even part of Doppelgangland? Like, I was trying to piece him and where he would have been. Oh, that's clever. I like that. Yeah. Here, wait, I'm going to make sure I'm correct. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think you are correct, because Spike would, didn't see any of the action in Doppelgangland. Yeah, she's, she's wearing literally right, this, right. almost the same sweater that she wore in Doppelgangland, but it doesn't have any of the shit on it. It's just fuzzy and pink. Oh, those patches. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the way they end the scene, too, is wonderful. She's like, well, we could wait another 30 minutes, or... Yeah. And she just smashes a lamp on his head and runs away. And also, <laughs> also, the whole scene is reminiscent of when he captures her in Lover's Walk, because he literally cries on her shoulder in Lover's Walk. Yeah, I think that... And, I mean, maybe... I don't know what it is, but Willow does see some humanity kind of in Spike because she's seen him be so upset. Yeah. And I, I mean, but then obviously she kind of, I think it's that she is, is, is being Willow and being helpful. And then yeah. after a while, her instinct kicks in to be like, Oh, actually I should run from you and hit you with a slam. <laughs> Willow finds a lot of humanity in a lot of people throughout the series. Well, I think Willow sometimes, I don't know. Like I, I know a lot of people rag on Willow, especially for, like, season six, yeah. but I don't know. I think Willow's always, like, that nerd who's, like, and I feel like I can relate to this, who's, like, oh, but the person's talking to me, and, like, oh, I can see where they, like, blah, 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 like, maybe they don't yeah. mean it, like, doing kind of, like, mental backflips to, like, yeah, make it okay. Because realistically, even though she, and you're right, she's seen the most human of Spike out mm -hmm. of any of the other Scoobies, but, like, also, she's been literally attacked and kidnapped by him twice. So yeah. she has every right to fucking hate him. But, yet she but yeah, she's still <laughs> offering to do another love spell, and, you know... Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's probably just to prolong her staying alive. It's very survival instinct, but she's smart. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I love that scene. They're great together. Yeah. So the episode ends with us learning about Spike's chip, and one of my favorite things about Spike Riley talking about Spike's chip is that it is in every single like previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer montage <laughs> like going into like season six and seven when they keep talking about Spike's chip they always put in that line about R where Riley talks about Spike's chip I remember hearing it so many times watching Buffy before school <laughs> on FX like every episode I love when they do that season three did that with um, Oz talking about I guess there's a new Slayer in town every single oh, episode oh my God, yeah <laughs> It cracks me up. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, 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 even though, so the show, I mean, the, also the whole part of the um, Willow Spike thing is that the commandos do come in and Buffy and Riley fight for a bit, don't they? Yes. I, but I, they actually, don't... I really like, I, I like that scene. I don't know. I really like it. Um, you know, it's, it's weird. It's not like other Buffy fight scenes. Um, it's in the dark. It's, Buffy uses a flare gun, which, it's so weird how they, speaking of the gun that needs to go off, Xander gives her the flare gun because he's worried she can't handle it on her own, which is... I will never understand the flare gun subplot. Right? It's so weird that he gives her that gun because, like, when the fuck is she gonna... And also, if she's that in trouble, you think they're gonna get there in time? Like, 
And like, and I don't understand. Are they all just supposed to be looking at the sky, waiting for? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, there's just so many parts of the plot, this Rube Goldbergian plot that don't make sense. Like, I don't understand. I also don't understand. Let's go back to like, where did Xander get all those weapons? Because he says from the Commando days, but the Commando days, yeah, fake gun, and then they went to go get a rocket launcher, and they never told us he got anything else. But when uh, Giles is at his house, he has like a full repertoire of like militaristic things. It's a stockpile of weapons. It was alarming, right? He just pulls like, all these weapons out of the drawer. should have like if they found those on Xander, they'd be like, okay, this is not good. Yeah, like, like yeah. you're going to jail. You're starting a militia, like. <laughs> Well, no, he's white, so he'd be fine. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but I do like, I mean, the subplot of that flare gun is fucking nonsense, but I like the way they use it. I don't know. I love Buffy being like, capture this, and then just shooting a fucking flare gun at these assholes. Um, It's like, unlike, I mean, it's not like, you know, the best fucking fight, but it's just very different from the fights we normally get on Buffy, so I appreciate it for being that. Um, And also... How the how the fuck didn't Riley know that was Buffy? It feels like he does, right? Doesn't that scene read like he because he tells everyone to stand down when he sees her, even though it's like blurry and he can't quite make her out. Why does he tell them all to stand down then? I think it's because he just sees the outline of like a young girl who's obviously not Hostel Seventeen. But like, I why wouldn't he assume she's a vampire oh, or like interesting. I don't think that when you're when you have a gun and you are in the military that you're supposed to assume anything about someone that you see. I guess that I had read it. Now we're pro gun now, Matthew, huh? (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. No, I was pro not using your gun and being willy nilly about it like some rookie cop on the street. I just felt like that's like I mean I know that that's not what it is, but I felt like it read like, oh shit, that's Buffy, let's not do this. Well, me, when I had watched it, I guess I, I I think it's fascinating. We're all kind of picking up different things, but I had read it as, you know, at this point, the uh, fire extinguisher had gone off. She shot the flare, which, you know, made it impossible to see because they had the night vision glasses. So I, I, I feel like when he, at that point, he can't see anything at all. They make it kind of blurry. And because of that, he asks everyone to abort, to leave the, the dorm and just kind of call it a day. Um. But the fl- the flare, I, I to me, I picked up as it feels very much James Bond. Like I'm going to give you this very specific gadget. Oh, Take it. A, it's not going to mean anything James now. <laughs> and then when the situation arises that you need this very particular, you know, object, it'll you know solve the problem completely. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Um. I just, I mean, I like that scene. Whatever. It's also insane that they still don't figure out. For what another three episodes? That's that's that they were the ones fighting each other. One, two, three. Yeah, not till Hush, which is three episodes later, yeah. they find out like, oh shit, you're the army guy. Oh shit, you're the girl that fired the gun. Or getting back to Matthew's point, the Riley Buffy relationship took a while, or it just was very <laughs> slow for both of them. No, no, that's fair. <laughs> um. All right, so there are some high moments, though. I think uh, during that fight scene and when they're in that hallway fighting and in Hush especially fighting back to back, I think that's when their relationship and their dynamic kind of shines for me. Like in the context of the show, I buy them, you know, they don't want to reveal their secret identity to each other. And I buy that more as instead of the meet cute where they drop a book on his head yeah. or they're at a party yeah. kind of flirting. Like to me, this makes more sense. This is much more interesting to them fighting, but not seeing each other and to me that's sexy that's fun mm-hmm. and then when they add the little cute romantic guitar music and walking outside <laughs> in a picnic i'm like oh mate, it's not as not as great guys um also wait so before we end i before we get to the end part i wanted to um mention that buffy one of my favorite silly moments in the episode is when buffy when giles is like oh we should be researching this and buffy's like you know, my friend's upset. I live in a dorm. They're throwing a party. Now excuse me while I go some, find something slutty to wear tonight. Um, I just love that. And I love her saying it to Giles, of all people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, are we there now at the end, Matthew? I think we are. Yeah. Um, favorite outfit of the episode, Eric. 
Oh, so I love her something slutty outfit, but when yeah. she adds that little jacket to it where she's sitting on the bench with Riley and they have that cute back and forth. I, I, to me, I, I love that whole ensemble. The little white jacket, her something slutty outfit. <laughs> All right. That gets my pick. Jordan? That's my outfit as well. All right, Matthew? I'm going to go with... First of all, I just want to say that Buffy's season four jackets are so terrible. None of them... <laughs> um, <laughs> But her hair is so good. But, oh, but season four Buffy hair is literally iconic. Me and, yeah. me and Ian fight about this every podcast. We're not going to do it again. We know each other's. <laughs> yes. I, but, I know and um, accept my Matthew's opinions. <laughs> but um, yes, Buffy's jackets are always bad in season four. But um, I'm actually going to go with Willow's um, outfit when she's being captured by Spike. Because you got to respect someone who does two different shades of red on their <laughs> All right, that's she does that. In, she does that in uh, Beer Bad as well, with whatever. Starring Shades of Red, starring Allison Hannigan. <laughs> <laughs> I also appreciate uh, Ginger, who's doing different shades of red too. Um, Who? A ginger, because she's got red. Oh, hair. sorry. Well, a person with red hair. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is ginger a problematic term? I didn't think it was. I thought it was. I don't know. As a, as a non-red-haired American, right. I cannot We are not equipped to... Brother. You're right. Okay. So, my favorite outfit <laughs> is Harmony's red pants that we saw prior, but with her black flowy top. Because this season's all about flowy tops. Um, it was very cute. It was very reminiscent of Sunday's outfit, I thought, from yeah. the freshman episode. Yeah. Like, it almost looked like it could have been Sunday, even with the hair. It's yeah. very similar. But it was very... It was good. It was very um, good. Favorite scene, Jordan? Uh, uh, I think the conversation between Willow and Riley when uh, she's giving him advice. I just think it's the chemistry's great and the dialogue's really good, too. Eric? Okay, I had two, and he uh, Jordan just mentioned my other one, so I'll pick my <laughs> second one. Um, I love Riley and Willow talking, especially on the couch, and she notices the Dingoes Ate My Baby song. It just breaks my heart, but... <laughs> my favorite scene, I love watching the beginning when Sarah just fails at soda and yogurts and just general life things and then the pen in the next episode it just cracks me up i i, I love it <laughs> um matthew um i am going to say uh the part where buffy confronts maggie oh all right mm. um good. i'm gonna say harmony and xander's fight this episode has a lot of good scenes yeah. Yes. This was a great episode, right? Yeah. I mean, overall, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, no one cried in this episode, not even me, so we don't even need to ask that question. Um, <laughs> and grading, gentlemen, Jordan? Uh, I, in, in, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to again. It's been a while. So I'd say probably like B+. All right. Eric? Yeah, I'd actually give it a B plus as well. Matthew? B plus. Yeah. I'm going to give it a B minus. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, originally, I, I originally had C plus in my notes, but you all, bumped, you all convinced me that I needed to bump it up to a B. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Um, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yes. Um, and if you want to follow SlayerFest98 on Twitter, you can follow us at SlayerFest98. So, no, at SlayerFestX98. Oops. Um, and if you want to follow Matthew on Twitter, you can follow him at Matthew Rodriguez, one T, a G, and a Z. <laughs> and if you want to follow Ian, you can follow him at IanXCarlos. And our lovely guests um, start with Eric, because Jordan introduced himself first. So, Eric, how about you? Oh, sure. I am on Twitter at Polka Poppins. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Jordan Apps, A-P-P-S. And uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a good rating if you love us. And if you don't, then don't rate us, please. <laughs> um, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.